Good evening, everyone, and sorry this episode is a little late. I totally forgot last week it was Lunar New Year already, which ate up some of my time. But anyway, in the last few weeks, we talked about advancements made in the early 1900s, which advanced our understanding of how pain worked in the body. Livingston helped clarify that pain was both physiological and psychological, while his protégés Wall and Melzack proposed the biological mechanisms that made that possible. These findings spurred a renewed interest in pain research, but also helped lay the groundwork for some technological breakthroughs. Today, we will talk about the return and advancement of electrical stimulation for the treatment of pain. In case you forgot, back in episode 9, we talked about electrotherapy, or using electricity for treatment. There was a bunch of excitement around using electricity in medicine for a while, but by the late 1800s, that excitement was pretty much gone, and it would not really be until the mid-1900s that scientific interest picked up again. The beginning of that re-emergence started in 1928, when electrical stimulation of peripheral nerves for relieving pain was rediscovered by a team at Berkeley. They showed that subjecting a nerve to an alternating current would prevent feelings in that area. They mapped out all the nerves in the forearm, and noted that you could prevent pain by using high currents. Slowly but surely, interest in zapping away the pain resumed, and as our understanding of how pain worked, we got better at it. Melzack and Wall's work on the gate control theory of pain from the last episode especially helped by identifying nerves that inhibited pain signals, which were of course a prime target for these electrical pain treatments. From there, Wall and a neurosurgeon named William H. Sweet began working together to put some of Wall's new theory into practice. Dr. Sweet, which is a very cute name, was at this point a well-established neurosurgeon at Massachusetts General Hospital, who worked in England during World War II, which I think may be how he and Wall connected, although I cannot find more details on that specifically. In the 1960s, in the great tradition of crazy yet respectable scientists, Sweet and Wall experimented on themselves, stimulating their infraorbital nerves. For you non-clinicians out there, the infraorbital nerve is located just beneath your eye, which seems to me an odd place to start testing out zapping yourself. They figured out when applying electrical stimulation, low amounts of electricity would cause a non-painful sensation, while lots of voltage would become painful. These were stimulating the different kinds of nerves as described in gate theory, and so by losing those low voltages you could stimulate only the non-pain nerves, which would then reduce pain. In 1967, Wall and Sweet released the paper titled Temporary Abolition of Pain in Man, which kind of makes it sound like they got rid of all pain everywhere for a little while. In reality, they tested out this new technique on eight patients, besides themselves, applying electricity until they reported tingling but no pain, and then they poked areas on the patients that were previously painful. The patients, despite earlier finding those areas sensitive, no longer felt pain from those pokes, and for half of the eight patients, this pain relief actually lasted for another 30 minutes after the procedure. With this success in hand, Sweet recruited an engineer named Roger Avery from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and asked him to make an implantable stimulator, which is basically a device you could insert to the body that regularly applies electricity. This was the first device of its kind, and it was not long before they used Avery's new device to treat chronic pain with peripheral nerve stimulation, and they found good results. Sweet and company were not the only ones with a renewed interest in electrifying nerves, though. 
at around the same time at the Western Reserve Medical School, which is nowadays known as Case Western, Norman Shealy thought it might be a good idea to stimulate large pain-inhibiting nerves too, but was more interested in stimulating a bunch of them at once. As it so happens, the spinal cord carries a whole bunch of nerves, including the pain-inhibiting ones, and so he figured he'd try to apply electricity to those instead of the peripheral nerves. Shealy hired a graduate engineering student named Thomas Mortimer and had him design an implantable stimulator, but specifically for the spine. Mortimer built an initial model that required an external power supply and would pass electricity through needles implanted in the skin, which sounds kind of freaky to me, and most patients would probably not appreciate having needles sticking out of themselves all the time. I assume Mortimer must have felt the same because he decided to reach out to Norm Hagfors, an engineer at Medtronic. If you're not familiar with Medtronic, they are one of the biggest names in medical devices here in the United States, and at this point in history had already designed and sold an implantable stimulator for the heart. Mortimer had interviewed for a job at Medtronic a while back, and while he didn't end up taking the job, he did take some connections with him, and together they designed a much improved spinal nerve stimulator. This device was the first of its kind, and it provided much-needed pain relief for months to a dying cancer patient. Happy at these results, Shealy, Mortimer, and Medtronic continued working together to improve the system, modifying the heart stimulators that Medtronic already had, and adapting them for use in the spine. Shealy's second patient used one such device and was relieved of their chronic pain for four years, which must have been incredible for their quality of life and seemed like quite a miracle. By 1968, these spinal nerve stimulators became commercially available through Medtronic, and although many improvements in battery tech and computers have made them smaller and more efficient over the years, the modern spinal stimulator has not really changed all that much. Medtronic is no longer the only seller, but does still sell these devices to this very day. So that's how the research of the mid-1900s led to some technological breakthroughs in pain management. But while engineers and doctors have been hard at work finding new ways to reduce pain, chemists have also been hard at work finding new drugs to reduce pain. And so next week, we will talk about the origin stories of some of the most familiar drugs to us today, starting with acetaminophen. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you hear, please let me know with the links in the show notes, or tell a friend about us. I received a new review on the Facebook page and an email from a medical student in the UK this week, which really warmed my heart. Thanks for reaching out. Thank you also to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music. Music